Charlie, 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 Charlie. I'm right here. What do you want? We're on a bridge, Charlie. It's Encyclopedia Brunch. My name is Tim Dobbs. With me, as ever, through the internet, her name is Catherine Kogert. Good to be here. Such a Good pleasure. Good to be here. Such a such a. Thanks for having me. Clear pleasure. Uh, <laughs> great. Now that we've completed the pleasantries section. Yeah, uh, let's move let's on. Let's move on to, on to section two acknowledgements i would like to acknowledge you tim for having me Catherine, here today uh yeah and i would like to thank uh, uh generous support from the knight foundation and also you Catherine, for being here today and the knight foundation like yeah. the m night Shyamalan foundation there is yeah. going to be a shocking twist at the end of this podcast that's right stay tuned for some time in the third act <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no not the knight foundation like the one that sponsors all those um uh public radio things this one is actually the m knight Shyamalan foundation yeah yeah often colloquialized as <laughs> the knight foundation so much money off of being a very talented writer director and he wants to give back to other forms of media that have shocking twists in the third act <laughs> It's just a cause he really believes in. Yeah, he wants to give back to the twist arts that uh, supported and nurtured him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, no one was there for me. There was no Rod Serling Foundation there for M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> when I was coming up. Uh, there would have been, but, you know, Rod Serling in was still trying In the twist writing room. <laughs> Consider, if you will, a piece of media... It's going along normally. It's acting just like you and I would every day. And yet, in the third act. <laughs> my God! It was actually a piece of abstract art the whole time! <laughs> uh, let's see. So now that we're done with the acknowledgement yeah. sections, uh, we'll move on to section three. Mm-hmm. Um, setting the table, getting us, everyone lulled to a false sense of security before the Statement shocking Statement of twist. conflicts of interest. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Do you have any conflicts of interest before we proceed? Uh, well, I guess it should be stated that I am also working on a different project from the Day Foundation. Oh, um, oh gosh, that's yeah. a bit of a twist. Yeah. Well, you just you just wait. You just see what shows up later. From the Sandra Day O'Connor. Uh huh. Exactly. Um, Foundation. Yeah, I'm I'm working on media to uh, help uh, more women become Supreme Court justices. Uh, well, we need that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, so that's that's huh. one of my other things. And that is a conflict of interest because, of course, uh, the M. Night Shyamalan Foundation weirdly doesn't support that. <laughs> it's in their charter, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I personally don't agree with it. But like, I mean, you accept money who you accept money from. It's kind of a dog eat dog world out there. Um, funding wise. I like your small niche podcast. <laughs> It's such a it's such a beautiful like brush off of responsibility. Uh with your when your explanation is, well, you accept money from who you accept money from. Like <laughs> Well, I suppose that's true. She did yeah. 
that tracks out. She did accept the money, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she accepted the money. Fair enough. Um, all right, what are we on? Phase four. Phase four is Catherine. What do we do on this podcast? Oh, we we choose a topic that that you might be interested in, um, or maybe even me might be interested in, or someone who's neither of us is interested in, <laughs> and uh, then we discuss that topic mm-hmm. together in a casual way. Just really casually without really making it awkward or or stilted in any way. Oh boy, this episode talking about unicorns. That's right. Those horses that aren't real. Unicorns. The um <laughs> let's see, the the narwhals of the land, unicorns. Uh, uh narwhals are real, unicorns aren't real. And yet I'm not totally sure narwhals are real. I saw a big narwhal migration picture in my unicorn research. <laughs> yeah, I saw that picture too. Um, it's so crazy that narwhals are real, right? Because like, unicorns aren't real. I feel quite confident in that. Unicorns seem crazy. It's so crazy that they like hang out together. I'd imagine them being like, like great white sharks where they don't really spend a lot of time together. Right. That's why they got that horn. Swim softly and carry a big horn. That's mm-hmm. the narwhal method. Um, yeah. Well, That's I mean, the narwhal method. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess what strikes me is that um, well, uh, a podcast I really like called Sunday School Dropouts in which uh, they, they kind of do what we do, but talk about the Bible. Um, like they, they read the Bible book by book um, and then talk about it in a fun uh, way. That's not awkward at all. Um, as you so succinctly put it, um, they uh, one of their my favorite descriptions of they were reading the Gnostic texts, which are um, not accepted into the sort of mainstream canonical Bible. Um, and one uh, one of their descriptions was they described it as unnecessarily wacky, which just to say like, ah, why? Listen, if you were gonna like try to make up a story or a parable about like how we're living, that you didn't need to put so many flourishes in there. Like, to just be like, oh, and uh, there's a second hidden god behind the real god, which is a Gnostic thing. Um, I'm sorry, not the real god. It's confusing. The point is, I feel that way about unicorns, um, which also have a biblical grounding. But they're just like, yeah, it just it reads as made up. Because you're like, what if there was a horse with a horn? Or, stay with me here, a goat with only half as many horns as it had. <laughs> Or a whale with a horn. Right, which is why the narwhal seems made up, because the, the unicorn seems so made up on its face. But the narwhal, no, that's real. I, okay, so I have two thoughts. First of all, these Gnostic tes- texts, I'm kind of getting a, um, you know, the the white rabbit scene in Monty Python where the monk reads a very long passage about all the things they feasted upon and the orangutans. And, and then he just lists and it's like goes on for like two or three minutes and he just lists a feast right right and then there's that is that the same bit with the holy hand grenade where he's like you know you must count yeah. to four but not three five will not be the one yeah okay unnecessarily wordy i'm getting a real monty python vibe from these gnostic tests texts from what you've said here text is hard to say i want to be clear here if it, i haven't read the texts read the text oh gosh all, all tripped up oh jeez. Uh, oh gosh <laughs> um but uh I'm sure they are unnecessarily wordy because, you know, just ancient texts are often that way. They don't really read the same as the way we read modern texts. Um, what's key right. to me, though, is that they're unnecessarily... They were paid by the word then. Yeah. <laughs> they are, are unnecessarily wacky. They're unnecessarily wacky. Like, it's just a little like, it didn't need to be so crazy. You could have made a pretty good story uh, 
that just doesn't have quite so many twists. Okay. Oh, it's so okay. Maybe the original M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, but no, it's too many <laughs> twists. It's not just the one good twist. It's like, uh, what? Now, okay. now the well, guy is like double crossing him. Really? Do we want to call it a good twist? <laughs> I mean, The Sixth Sense really grabbed a lot of people. Uh, yeah, as did, as did Devil. Uh, like The Devil? Or what do you mean? Is there a movie called Devil? The M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, yeah, they're in the elevator. And then one of them is the devil. Oh, yeah. They're all in an elevator. God. Yeah, that yeah. feels more like a, come on. Ah, oh, this didn't need to be this way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 70 some minutes. Yeah. Well, you know what? If you want to write a little short story about this that I could read in about 10 minutes. All right. I'll read your story. I'll see where yeah. you're going here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, feels like a Twilight Zone episode. Mm, yeah, yeah, very much, very much. Um, so, consider if uh, you will. But the other thing I was going to say... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> just to bring us back on track, sorry. I had to talk about Monty Python for a little bit there. But uh, I, feel, I think I might be in the opposite camp with unicorns. Mm. I find them to be the least impressive mythical creature. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, uh, just let's do a quick roundup. What are like five of the unicorns' competitors? Competitors, dragons. Okay, dragons. Very cool. Definitely, we love them. What Very else we got? Cool. Uh, I guess goblins are coming to mind. Goblins. Is that fine? I, I guess. I, don't uh, know. I can't say hobgoblins. No, no, that's that's double d- d- double gobbling. Um, yeah. Um, what are mythical creatures? Oh gosh, uh, Cerberus. Sure, that's way cool. Yeah. That's way cool. Uh, a manticore. And uh, a manticore. Yeah, like a a fair. And then you can't say any other chimeras after that. Yeah. Um, Chimera in general. But then, but, yeah. like, like something like a giant squid, which turned out to be real. Mm, true. Like the kraken. A mermaid. Um. Yeah, yeah. All right, you're right. A lot of these, they're, they're sort of Leviathan-like. They're they're overwhelming. They represent something uh, uh, quite deep and, and terrifying, really. And the unicorn's just like, yeah. My favorite, my favorite, uh, like you know, possible origin for unicorns um, was uh, antelopes or oxen. Um, and they're like, well, when viewed in profile, you could think it was just one horn. <laughs> And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you know what? That is a pretty dumb mistake that I could totally make. Um, um and like the the thing is, like with unicorns, like they came not from stories, but from historians who wrote about them as though they were real. Yes, uh, I read that um, in uh, Greek writings, they're not considered mythological. It was part of natural history. It was part of them just describing the world as they viewed it, or in this case, heard about it happening in india <laughs> yeah exactly which again comes uh, back to i found they had these seals in india like royal seals that sort of thing and it was depicting well, what could have just been an ox or something but again it's in profile and so right it's entirely possible this this seal got moved over to greece someone took one home with them and they were like sort oh, of a telephone situation one horn yeah <laughs> Um, but like of the, of the mythical creatures that we listed there, I would say maybe some people would say like, oh, 
the the Kraken isn't all that impressive because the giant squid turned out to be real. Like that's a real thing that exists. Yeah, but it's impressive. Like it's a real thing that is very impressive. I, yeah, I think it's still more impressive than the unicorn, which you can very easily DIY <laughs> like they did in Legend. Uh, you want to tell the people what Legend is? Legend is a it's a fantasy film starring Tom a young Tom Cruise. Mm, very young. Uh, uh, and the antagonist is uh, Tim Curry. Right. As for a those devil. who like Hexus from <laughs> Fern Gully or uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show or Clue. Well, Clue. Yeah. I'm sure he's in a lot of other things, too. Um, yeah. And they have a unicorn there. And uh, yeah. Think... And and there's a scene where it runs towards the camera and you could see the horn bobble as it runs. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's not even as impressive as uh, many of the spoofs that I saw on YouTube when I was uh, looking into unicorns. I'm like, like you can graft a horn onto, uh, you know, it's it's animal mistreatment. But uh, like there there have been cases of people doing this of just uh, actually getting like a pretty sturdy horn onto the front of a goat or an ox or yeah, a, a horse. or you could strap like a party hat onto a horse and suddenly it's a unicorn. <laughs> Is the unicorn the ultimate party horse? <laughs> That's my depends if you're a virginal maiden or not. <laughs> mm. Well, that's that. That's my question uh, to all the listeners to think about. Uh, and we'll be back in a moment on Encyclopedia Brunch. And we're back on Encyclopedia Brunch talking about the original party horse, uh, none other than the unicorn. Um, and specifically, it wants to party with you. The unicorn wants to come to your party if you are a virginal maiden. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I don't really feel comfortable revealing if I'm a virginal maiden or not to the listeners. Well... I don't think you have to reveal it, because whether a unicorn shows up or not by the end of this recording is going to tell us. I don't love this, this weird <laughs> mythical hymen test being done. <laughs> it is weird. It's very weird. And perhaps it won't surprise you to know that uh, the the origins of this concept of the unicorn, this weird, maybe not great concept of the unicorn comes from, that's right, early Christianity, uh, the first couple yeah. centuries. Yeah. Um, yeah. So people who cared, uh, like, who are the people who cared about virgins? Uh, uh early Christians. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people. I don't know. It's it's really it's one of the great failings, I think, of property as a concept. Um, is that we were like maybe humans can fall into that. I'm just saying, we didn't have property as a concept. We also wouldn't uh, have a lot of these other issues. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm. <laughs> um. So, uh, oh, did, did, was I clear about that? The reason that's bad is because if you want an unspoiled property, like buying a new car or a new woman you just own. I mean, both, I think, mm. yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I think you can extend that to a lot of uh, human issues that we've had vis-a-vis perhaps maybe slavery being another one. Like, oh, boy, the concept of property. And then we just said, but what if also humans? And that's 
a bad call, but we oh, keep doing it. Boy, we Kirk, keep finding horrible ways to do it. Curse our human ability for abstraction and extension of concepts to other objects. Agreed. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about the uh, early church, though. Um, there is a book called the Physiologus. Physiologus. Um, Gus. I think that's usually a Gus sound in Greek. Um, so the Physiologus. Physiologicon. Uh, I think that would be if it was Latin derived. Um, Drink so fizzy, they'll drive you mad. <laughs> oh man, I would totally buy that. Um, Heck yeah. Oh man, if we do, uh, if we ever do a branded encyclopedia brunch cocktail book, <laughs> I think we have a name for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm in. Um, this is a, uh, a book, uh, compiled in Greek by, by an unknown author, usually dated to the second century AD. Um, and it's a didactic Christian text. So that's a text like sort of meant to like teach you about the world. Um, but it's purposefully through a Christian lens, um, which I think is really interesting because what it is, is it's a bestiary. It's a uh, sort of just description of like, this is the world, you know, zoo books for the ancient Christian. Um, <laughs> I mean, okay. Tell of. me about the ancient Christian zoo book pantheon. Uh, it's it's actually interesting. So, um, it describes animals, but also the meaning of those animals. Um, and it became a sort of a. It was the precursor for similar books like this. So, uh, let's see. For instance, um, it uh, was the first to describe the phoenix rising from the ashes, um, and what that tells us about um. Uh, let's see, burns itself to death and rises on the third day from the ashes. Not unlike a certain Christ we all know. Um, <laughs> let's see, what else? Uh, the pelican sheds its own blood in order to sprinkle its dead young so that they may live again. It's a type of salvation of mankind. Uh, not unlike a certain Christ we all know, which I think could just be yeah. the finish of all these. I would say this is the, the failing of Christian media. <laughs> <laughs> How so? <laughs> just like, both modern Christian media and also ancient Christian media. Right, it's, right. It's, all, it's a lot of beating a dead horse. It's a lot of, uh, you know, oh, sounds like the singer's in love with someone. Oh, it was Christ. Mm, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember how that guy came back from the dead? That's like all of Christian media. <laughs> and it's just beating a dead horse. I mean, not all of it. Um, uh, uh, Davy and Goliath, the claymation thing about a kid and his dog was often just about like doing your chores. Um. I think VeggieTales, uh, VeggieTales isn't bad. It's not for me. <laughs> I have not dug into VeggieTales enough to really understand how it's Christian. Uh, <laughs> I think, mostly I remember that um, Where Is My Hairbrush video that we watched. Right. That was VeggieTales. Well, that's a retelling and of I a tale of Job. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't you remember? He was just like... Uh, uh, he was doing so well, and then uh, Lucifer and God got together and was like, oh, yeah, I bet you, I bet he'll lose faith in you if you do bad things to him. And then God was like, oh, yeah, I'll make him lose his hairbrush. Um, and it, it didn't really is work. Is Job the New Testament or the Old Testament? I believe Job is the Old Testament. Pretty okay, sure. Okay, so there's no yeah. Satan. Uh, and yet, yeah, so Satan is a weird concept. I don't know a lot about this, but my understanding is that Satan sort of slowly wriggles its way into um, the the pantheon and it doesn't really show up in the Bible Bible very much at all. But like sort of an ancillary text will show up. I believe the uh, the the translation used in Job is uh, what one might translate as the antagonist or just like a bad guy. So I don't know. I just, you know, 
Um, I remember in Sunday school, we didn't really talk. When they told us the story of Job, there was no Satan. And it was kind of like, so why? And then the answer was like, well, you know, sometimes God's a jerk. <laughs> I mean, I actually think it's, it's, it's... That's what I took from it. It's a much more thoughtful <laughs> story than a lot of the other ones, which are just sort of like lists of things you should do or not do. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I like find it... Pork. So, yeah. I find it sort of refreshing to like have it be like, mm, think on that. That's kind of weird, huh? Instead of just being yeah. like, God, he's the best. Like, I don't know. I, I, I like a... Uh, a phil- philosophical uh, Bible verse over a uh, non-philosophical. How do you feel about um, Abraham sacrificing his son's story? Is that a thinker for you? Or uh, no, I don't love that one. That feels like it's a test of loyalty over all other things, which is not a, a mm-hmm. concept I subscribe to. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, you know, like because uh, I'm sure someone who has thought about this even more than I can can comment on this. But my problem with it has been that yeah, God is not living in a meritocracy there. What God is asking you to do is pledge fealty to him and don't ask questions. Um, so, yeah, that is kind of a, a lesson. How, how do you live? How to live or guide on how to live as an Israelite. Um, well, I mean, it makes the story trying to give you. Yeah. It makes sense in the context of like there are a lot of other gods right now. We'd like you to pick mine, and it's very important that you stay, you know, true here. Um, I don't know. I've also seen interpretations of that particular story that, uh, like Abraham did did a bad thing, and that God was like, "You come on, dude, think about it for two seconds." <laughs> That's God as shitty girlfriend, though. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. Now, how did you feel about uh, the Xena telling of that story oh, in that episode of Xena? I don't know. Can you fill me in on this? <laughs> well, um, he basically, Abraham has to talk it over with Xena about whether he should sacrifice his son or not. And Xena weighs in. And I don't really remember what she says. We're talking late season Xena when it got weird and Christian. Well, yeah. Also, wasn't Xena set in like ancient Greece? Not way much more ancient um uh mesopotamia which is where the abraham story set uh yes okay well yeah the bible persists in many ways and and weaves its way in and out of our culture including in xenotypes she also meets jesus oh boy um well that makes more sense though because that's thousands (laughs) of years later yeah this is this is just like trying to make the zelda timeline make sense i'm just like i'm trying to like put something onto it that is not like necessary you're right zelda is just like the bible anyway (laughs) no it is like the bible in that mm, the timeline isn't necessarily the thing you should be taking away from this we're not trying to assemble a uh marvel cinematic universe um it's just about uh, whatever (laughs) i've gotten way off track here um, I want to talk about unicorns. Oh, okay. Uh, so this bestiary, um, they talk about, uh, he describes a unicorn. Um, let's say, uh, bah, bah, bah. It uh, permits itself to be captured in the lap of a pure virgin. Um, and that uh, represents the incarnation, which is, um, you know, the immaculate conception. That how uh, Mary uh, gave birth to Jesus without uh, ever hooking up with anybody. Um and so that is how the 
over over like the next one or two thousand years I, I would argue even up to now the unicorn gets into uh our consciousness is because so much art in the medieval times was religious art and so they would depict unicorns specifically to be like this unicorn represents the incarnation it represents this sort of purity this um uh yeah like a pure love and and creation of that um and that's how it kind of then sort of mutates a little bit into like well sometimes it represents two two chaste lovers um and then I guess the unicorn goes away when you get married. I don't know. Um, but I, yeah, it, so it ends up basically representing chaste love, uh, pure chaste love in our culture. That's nice. Uh, I don't know. The unicorn feels like a bit of a creep to me that he's only looking for virgins. My favorite stories are the ones where um, uh, in order to capture and hunt this unicorn, you must get a fair maiden um who who is a virgin to come along with you on the hunt and then once the uh virgin lures the unicorn in that's when you strike yeah 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 i like to imagine medieval kings just sort of standing in the forest with like their nieces <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah anything yet <laughs> no well you keep waiting there and when that unicorn gets there you let it take a nap in your lap <laughs> and then i'll kill it in your lap <laughs> <laughs> or capture it. Um, well, and that that ends up actually mutating even further, which I also think is interesting. Uh, that so uh, it's the national animal of Scotland, right? You know this? Mm. Uh, I did not know that. It is, um, mm. uh, which is sort of interesting because it's not a real animal. But here we are. Um, <laughs> And, uh, I mean, why do you need a national animal anyway? I don't know. Is our national is the U.S. national animal the eagle, or is that the national bird? And we also have an animal. I believe it is the eagle. Yeah, okay. yeah. Hmm. Like both the bird and the animal, both eagle. Maybe do you think that's why the states have national birds? Like, if our national animal was like the grizzly bear, would we out? Would we have like? What's your national mammal? I mean, we do have that, but uh, they're or just lesser known. what's your state known. mammal? Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure California's is the bear. I don't know if it's the grizzly bear. Yeah, you got one on your flag and all that. Yeah. Uh, Connecticut's, I can tell you, is the sperm whale. I'm pretty sure we've gone over this before, but... Um, huh. Yeah. Um, well, but so, mammal. Gotta be mammal. Yes, the state mammal is the sperm whale. Um, national mammal. Let's see what uh, Washington is. All right. In the uh, meantime, I will tell you that yeah. the uh, the national animal of Scotland is the unicorn. And I think it makes a lot of sense, actually, because uh, specifically, uh, it is seen as proud and haughty beasts, which would rather die than be captured, just as Scots would rem uh, fight to remain sovereign and unconquered. Um, and so I like that mutation of the unicorn tail when it at first it was like, oh, well, the unicorn, um, the unicorn will only come to a virgin. Um, and then you have to capture it a different way. but And so that, that translates to it's like, oh, it's like really hard to capture because you have to have this one special trick, I guess. This one weird trick. Unicorns hate him. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I like that layer. The layer that like, oh, the unicorn is also really hard to get. It's a very proud beast. Eh? I don't know. That really contributes to my perception of the unicorn as kind of a jerk. I think, yeah, I think maybe it is kind of a jerk. It's it can't be tamed. It's it's just doing its own thing. And like 
it just makes me a little bit more resentful that it's like, you're the lamest of mythical creatures because you're just a horse. You're basically just a horse. <laughs> it feels like it's hot, but it knows it, you know? Yeah. And yet it has it has a Frappuccino named after it. It feels so unnecessary. Mm. Well, that's interesting. Let's talk about that when we get By back. By the way, hmm? did you know our national mammal is the bison? Oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. But recently, though, that's uh, something in the Obama administration. Really? Huh. Yeah. Did we have one before or did we just not have one? I didn't see that, but I'm going to assume that we didn't have one before. Washington State. Mm-hmm. The marmot. Aw. Marmots are cute. <laughs> Marmots are cute. All right. Well, we're cute, too. And we'll be back in a moment on Encyclopedia Brunch. Hi. Bye. See you soon. And we're back on Encyclopedia Brunch talking about the unicorn. Those horses that are so great. They're so great. Unicorns. Um, <laughs> Catherine, what's your what's your favorite uh, version of the unicorn? We talked about there's so many different versions. Yeah, uh, the Pegasus is probably my favorite. All right. Now, we talked about this a little before the show. Uh-huh. How is that a unicorn? The Pegasus. It's a unicorn. It, it's a winged horse. Yeah. It, do- it doesn't have a horn. First of all, the Pegasus is a specific animal. Mm-hmm. It's a there's one Pegasus. Right. Its name is Pegasus. Right. Like It's the only of its kind, like Cerberus or Paint Can or uh, uh What? Or Paint Can? Uh, there's Smarty a one Jones. Paint Can? I think that that what? feels like a horse can name or a horse can. A horse name. It feels like a, a horse, horse name. Can, can a horse. Yeah. Open a can, get a horse. It's, it's like those trick spring snake snake things, except there's just tons of horses. Like a stampede <laughs> runs out. You get like kicked in the face. Ooh, they can't be tamed. Shouldn't have tried to put them in that can, Tim. <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> um, I guess. I, I guess. Okay, but fine. The Pegasus. Or... Is no. it the Pegasus or is it Pegasus? Or Mr. Pegasus? Is Dr. Pegasus its father? It's, like, how does I this... don't, Do you call me the Catherine? No. Sometimes. They call her Medusa the or the Gorgon. Oh, that's because true. Because she is the species Gorgon, but her name is Medusa. Yeah, you call him. Just as yeah. Pegasus is species unicorn. Uh, no, disagree. Pegasus is species winged horse. Um. In fact, Pegasus is species horse, but has wings. Yeah. And sometimes a horn. Okay, walk me through this. Uh, When does it have a horn? Just, you know, when it needs to. (laughs) When the artist felt it was appropriate to draw one on. I see. To, like, add a little touch of extra majesty. Mm Mm-hmm. A little bit of extra magic. I do, uh, yeah, I do feel like... The wings are clearly the, like, that's the money feature of, of Pegasus, right? Um, I yeah, feel like... I, it's what makes Pegasus a decent unicorn that's worth my time. <laughs> um, I, 
yeah like i get i get why that's cool you're like oh man i ride horses around all day that's my way of getting around what if it could also fly whoa it feels like the horn we're back to like how lame the unicorn is it feels like that would be added on in an artist's interpretation and just be like it's even more magical um sure but again it's only i think it's just i think it's just carrying the baggage of this one bestiary we're like for thousands of years we were like this crazy thing might exist in india somewhere um and then this one bestiary was like also i would like to tell you about the christian meanings of animals because at this time in our culture we understand all all objects in the physical world to have a meaning that is associated to christianity or or not in christianity but like a meaning to like our belief system um and that's how we ended up with well, this everything's like, about you yeah well you know <laughs> listen uh i i've certainly experienced that on the personal level where i feel that very intensely um <laughs> I don't totally blame older societies for also being like, yeah, no, this is this is what it all is. And it seems to be like it's a relatively new innovation that we've learned that not everything is about us. You know, they talk about like the three great revelations where, first of all, Copernicus finds that we are not the center of the universe. Mm. Second of all, um, Darwin finds that like we came from monkeys, like we were not designed. Right. Um, And then... You find there was something about Freud finding that like our brains are not like they're just kind of a product of our parents or whatever. Um, okay. <laughs> something. I don't understand the Freudian innovation so much, but he's like the next person who's like and more proof that like, I don't know, you don't matter and you're not the center of the universe and it doesn't matter and you just have a huge ego. Yeah, well, we got to get by in this world, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like the, uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. It's interesting. It feels like the unicorn is like, it's our reminder of, uh, our pre-rationalist selves in a lot of ways. Um, because it's just like, Go oh, this, um, well, because it's derived from this, like these animals have meaning. And then also you've never seen this animal, but let me tell you about it. I saw it. I saw an oxen profile once. Um, Definitely saw it. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's not the only, like, definitely fictional thing that Greek historians wrote about as though it was true. Um, Amazons, for example. Mm. Greek historians were 100% sure that Amazon societies really existed, but there's no evidence that they actually did. What about Xena? Yeah, well, Xena's definitely real, so. Mm. Um, she's quite tall, that Lucy Lawless, so. Mm, yeah, maybe. she is that. Uh yeah that's true well but but yeah all that stuff i think comes from i don't know it's interesting i i'll have to think more on that because they're you know in a lot of ways uh you know greek society made these huge leaps and bounds in um logic uh but then yeah at the same time there were things where like yeah i don't know it kind of seems like he was just making stuff up or whatever or again it was like trying to find meaning and interpret things in our natural world um as opposed to just being like i don't know that's what that thing is um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so i think the unicorn in particular uh maybe even more than amazons or any other things that were made up phoenixes i suppose do that but i feel like unicorns in particular um they've kind of carried that idea through because it's like oh well we brought up this uh 
we we made this animal mean a thing and then later on we're like i don't think it's real but uh it still kind of carries that meaning through and so it's not like a, a pelican for instance uh which uh, tells us how um and jesus sacrificed himself for us um pelicans are real birds and you look at them and at a certain point you're like I don't know, it's just a bird. It's kind of goofy looking. I like it. Um, but you never have that opportunity with the unicorn because it's just a symbol. Um, and so it's that thing we kind of carry through to like think about like how we used to think in the past and how we think about now and how that differs. Can I tell you, in like the the vein of like mythical creatures that seem like they could be real but aren't real, mm-hmm. um, I used to think that storks were mythical. I mean, yeah, they they seem mythical, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, what with carrying all those babies and everything. Yeah. I assume the whole thing was just bunk. Yeah, that's interesting. And also, did you, I mean, did you go through a phase with um, unicorns where you were like, but maybe? Um, no. Really? No. You never Not did. any more so than like... I, you know what I dreamed about? Fairies. I really wanted fairies to be real. Mm. Yeah, I, cryptoids in general. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, everybody Definitely. settles on something different, but I, I feel like most people have these have like a phase where they're like, eh, maybe. Uh, yeah. What did know. you want to be real? Um. Yeah, I feel like unicorns. Uh, that dog dragon thing from the Neverending Story. Um, <laughs> Falcor. Yeah, Falcor. Uh, oh, uh, uh, yeah, manticores, actually. I'm remembering now that I used manticores. to... Manticores? Yeah, I used to, uh, when it was, like, time to play with Legos or something, I, there's, like, a stock thing I would build is a manticore. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe I just figured out how to do it and then stuck with it. Yeah, yeah, kind of like when you figure out how to draw something, and mm-hmm. then you just draw that everywhere. Yeah. I still draw, I tend to draw a palm tree if I'm just like, all right, white paper, start your hand moving. Oh, yeah. 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 It's yeah. not a good palm tree, but here we are. Well, maybe in 10 more years. <laughs> um, so, so just to get back to the, the Pegasus thing, I feel like that horn is put on there just to like, yeah, it, because it's pure symbolism. The Pegasus is awesome. Like if you saw a Pegasus on planet Earth, you'd be like, whoa, holy yeah. cow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would be impressed. But what the horn does, it's like this little symbol that's just like, it's super rad now. Like, remember? Huh? Huh? This carryover we have? Like, yeah. it's this thing you don't even yeah. think about? Yeah. You know, here's how I want to solve this. I'm going to look at the Disney Hercules Pegasus uh, and see if that thing has a horn. I fear, feel fairly confident it doesn't. I think you're right. Yeah, it doesn't seem to. Yeah. But you know what? I'm perfectly happy to put it in. All right. Well, that solves that. Yeah. I would say Pegasus is cooler than a unicorn based on your arguments. Like, I'm way more into Pegasus than I am into unicorns in general. Well, I'm ready to I'm ready to land on that. But here's my one issue with the Disney version of Hercules. Mm-hmm. The Pegasus has his has his mane cut in the style of a Roman centurion helmet. This that's is true. Greek mythology. Yes. That's true. Um Okay. Maybe if they used the Greek names for the gods and didn't say like, oh, you're Zeus's son and said like, oh, you're Jupiter's Yeah, son? Jupiter. The biggest planet. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, but then who was Saturn? I don't know. Hades. Uh, I Hades. Think Saturn no, was, was his Nick. dad, Kronos. 
Really? Oh, I think you're right. Huh. Yeah. Ah, it's all topsy turvy. Um, eh. But and again, there's more than nine gods, so I'm like, I don't really, I get confused. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but again, this is all these. These are all things we make up to to represent symbols and meanings within our lives that aren't actual real things, and so it gets real complicated. Like, Very complicated because you can't just point at it and be like, no, no, it's like this. See, look, we're looking at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is again, I just can't get over this. Like, you were probably looking at an ox sideways. Yeah. It's the stupidest mythical creature. Or like the unicorn is mentioned in the Bible like a number of times. And like most likely it was just a mistranslation of a, uh, let's see, a re'em, R-E apostrophe E-M, um, which is often... Which is an ox. Yeah, it's often translated into an ox um, in other other translations. But the King James Bible has it as unicorn. So here we are. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Interesting. Weird, uh, weird crazy stuff. All right. Uh, Not going to give me a little Johnny Carson? <laughs> wacky, wild stuff. Really, really something. <laughs> can you can you bring that into a Rod Serling for me? Just so we can uh, tap out of here strong. <laughs> Consider, if you will, a horse with not no Weird, horns, wild but one stuff. horn. <laughs> this horse may, be, may not seem very awesome, but in fact, it is very awesome. <laughs> You've entered the Twilight I'm Rod Zone. Serling. <laughs> Keep Here your head in the sky the and your feet on the ground. <laughs> well, until I'm then. Casey Casey, ride him away at a horse. Well, bye, Casey. I'm Tim Dobbs. That's Catherine Kogert. Bye. bye. bye.